We recognize working with financial advisors, they are directly servicing their customers and we treat them as our customers as well, but we have to respect the fact that the advisor really is owning working with that customer on their retirement plan or their financial plan. Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Mike Hicks. Mike is the Chief Information Officer of Jackson, a company that provides annuities for retail investors and fixed income products for institutional investors that has in excess of $290 billion in assets under management. Among Mike's claims to fame include his being involved in the creation of some of the industry's first real-time integrations between retirement solutions companies and back offices using API technology. Prior to his current role, he's been the Chief Digital Officer of AF Group, a CIO of Emergent Holdings, and a CIO at Guardian Life. I look forward to hearing more about his career arc and the things he and his team are working on in his current setting through this conversation. Mike, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Yeah, thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here. Wonderful. Well, hey, Mike, why don't we begin with an overview of Jackson's business? I think that for some who are listening, it may may be uh, not as known. And so it'd be great to shine a light on what it is that you and your organization do. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I'm you know, very proud to be at Jackson. I've been here for eight months now. And you know, we are a leading provider of retirement solutions. And if I recall correctly, I think we're ranked like number 282 or so on the Fortune 500 list. You know, as we define our purpose, and you know, this is all off of our website, you know, we're here to help people achieve their financial freedom so they can live the lives that they want. But in other words, you know, we're here to help our customers live the best retirement that they've worked their entire lives for. Through our distribution network, we partner with advisors and registered investment advisors to offer annuity products to consumers, really for them helping plan the financial futures that they've worked for. You know, an annuity uh, is such a critical part of what we do. Folks always ask me, so what is an annuity? And, you know, my simple response is that an annuity provides tax deferred growth and lifetime income. And, you know, we're really here to help bridge the income gap uh, between savings, social security, and if someone has a defined benefit or a defined contribution plan, but really fulfill that full retirement need with the income they need during uh, that time of their lives. You know, from a product perspective, we provide fixed, fixed index, variable and registered index linked annuities. And we are also the top selling uh, variable annuity or VA provider in the country. We're made up of a family of companies. So when you think of Jackson, Jackson National Life is what comes to mind. Uh, but we also have Jackson National Life of New York. But Jackson National uh, and Jackson National of New York manufactures and distributes our retirement products. We also have two asset managers as part of our family. Jackson National Asset Management is an investment manager. Uh, they oversee our proprietary mutual funds that are part of our uh, Jackson variable annuity platform. And then PPM America is an investment manager that specializes in fixed income, private equity, and commercial real estate. But with all of that, who Jackson is at a core is uh, all about our culture and our associates. You know, we're based in Lansing, Michigan, uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and Chicago. We have many long-term employees who have been key to building Jackson 
uh, to what it is today. We were founded in 1961. Compared to other insurance companies, we're you know relatively new, but uh, our employees have been with us for a good part of that journey, and we're very proud that you know we play a key role in the communities that we serve. You know from a culture perspective, um, you know, we just have an amazing customer orientation, but also a key execution mindset. And, you know, that really differentiates us in two ways. We, you know, really pride ourselves on our best-in-class customer service, but also uh, our distinct advantage in our wholesale distribution model. It's a great overview. Thank you so much for that. I, I wonder if you could take a moment also to talk about your role as Chief Information Officer, Mike. Uh, what's within your purview? You know, CIO, I'm responsible for leading Jackson's technology strategy, but also our architecture and delivery. That includes data and AI, digital transformation, uh, enterprise portfolio management, uh, to name a few. You know, like nearly everyone else in financial services and insurance, we're heavily focused on digital and AI transformation. We're making significant investments on both of those fronts. But, you know, as a, you know, a CIO, when I think about my purview, uh, I'm just extremely fortunate uh, to have an extremely deep bench of developers, and they're capable of building end-to-end software applications. Where many of our competitors have evolved to become integrators of vendor solutions, we truly pride ourselves, Peter, in developing IP that differentiates us in the marketplace. And this is important because as a retirement solutions company, we don't manufacture a physical product. Ultimately, our product is trust. And I always like to tell folks, our machinery is technology and our associates are the secret sauce. I like that. And really like that that notion of the product is trust. I can imagine that's very clarifying as you think about the work you do and who you hire and, and the like. Uh, you mentioned earlier the different lines of business, Jackson National Life Insurance Company, a National Life Insurance Company of New York, a Jackson National Asset Management, PPM America. How is IT organized uh, across those organizations? How, how, what are the tentacles uh, of your organization like as it interacts with the different parts of the business? Yeah, technology is primarily centralized at Jackson. And you know our technology organization at the enterprise level uh, we refer to it as Jackson Enterprise Technology or JET. And, you know, there are a few minor exceptions where we have federated teams, but those are really the minority. For the most part, we brought technology together at the organization really to drive standardization. But just given the velocity of change that's happening, we want to keep the entire enterprise, you know, moving forward, you know, so that we have competitive you know, leads in, in every one of our businesses. I do have a peer, Guillermo Guerra, and he is our CTO and CISO and leads our infrastructure and information security. And this was, a, you know, really an interesting first when I joined Jackson, because typically all of that is together. But you know, Jackson has maintained, you know, a model of segregating duties between the CIO and CTO for quite some time. And, you know, the goal is to ensure the CIO role is not burdened by day-to-day production and really is focusing on driving innovation and business value. And, you know, to be honest, having led all of those functions in previous companies, it was quite refreshing to be able to come and focus on the business first and foremost. From an operating model perspective, you know, we fully transitioned to agile delivery across all of our technology organization. You know, that's allowed us to be really customer-centric in everything that we do. 
We've also been deploying Agile uh, to our business units as well. So, you know, we're starting to see those Agile and Lean practices take hold across everything that we do in the company. Within my organization, uh, since we're Agile, we are organized by Agile release trains or arts, and those are focused on key aspects of our business. We do have product owners that report into our business units, but they actually sit with our Agile teams and their focus is really grooming our backlogs and making sure that we're delivering the most important features for our customers. But we are constantly evolving uh, with our arts and you know, we're always making the shift to be more you know, value stream and customer journey oriented. But that is a challenge with a complex business like Jackson. But the final thing I would just say is from a planning perspective, since we are agile, we employ uh, lean portfolio management. We run quarterly PI planning events across the entire company. And then we've also established uh, a portfolio strategy council made up of senior executives that prioritize our initiatives and then you know work with us to ensure alignment to our strategy. But it really is kind of a well thought out, you know, target operating model. And, you know, we're still making progress in maturing it, but I'm really pleased with what we've been able to do. Understandably. Yeah. Thank you again for that, that overview. Uh, very, very interesting and differentiating, it would seem. Uh, I want to reflect on something you've mentioned and also something that I've read about the company. You talked about the customer orientation to the culture and, uh, so some of the materials I found through your website talk about streamlining experiences, striving to reduce the confusion that complicates retirement plans. And I wonder, uh, as you think about that customer orientation and the means of, of driving out the complication, uh, the role that digital plays, the role that technology, ultimately the role that JEP plays, uh, your team, as you noted it, uh, plays in facilitating those sorts of means of operating. Yeah, I think there are a couple of things I would just note. You know, number one is that you know we recognize working with financial advisors that they are directly servicing you know their customers, and you know we uh, treat them as our customers as well. But we have to respect the fact that the advisor really is owning you know working with that customer on their retirement plan or their financial plan. So providing data that's of high quality. And it really fits within that advisor model for how they do business is critical. So, you know, we, we work exclusively with, you know, the industry, but also provide our own APIs, you know, into platforms to make that easy and ultimately seamless for the customer. But we also pride ourselves in just our customer service delivery. You know, we've won virtually every major award in the industry for best in class customer service. And a big part of that is what we do from a digital perspective. So our jackson.com website is very comprehensive. We paid very close attention you know, to the customer journey, you know, the personas and getting those experiences to really be you know, seamless and, and high quality. But we're also making a shift to more of an omni-channel uh, experience where recognizing there are multiple channels of engagement we want to make sure that we're meeting our customers where they're at. But at the end of the day, our customers want you know, seamless, easy to do business types of experiences. And you know, that's what we strive to do in all of our digital work, really powered by data and the work that we've done from a, from a data perspective. 
Yeah, it's a great overview. And so, uh, you know, as you note, uh, as you think about that customer orientation that drives your culture, there really is your primary customer uh, who are the financial advisors, but also by extension, thinking about uh, the end customer as well. So, so contemplating both as you you think about the work that the team does. Well, I, I wanted to also ask you, you once led U.S. wealth management operations at the Hartford. Uh, moreover, you've had a, a numerous executive roles inside and outside of the technology realm uh, on your pathway to your current posts. And I wonder how these non-IT roles have helped orient you towards perhaps higher levels of value contribution to an organization like Jackson. Definitely. I, I probably have had one of the most non-traditional <laughs> career paths that you can imagine uh, as being a CIO. And, you know, I was a CIO fairly early in my career. Um, I think I was, uh, you know, early 30s, became a CIO at, at Lincoln Financial Group. And that was awesome. You know, it's like, you know, when you're going into technology and you're thinking about leadership, it's like, well, by the time I retire, it'd be great to be a CIO. And I was a CIO early. So, you know, I had to step back and think about what am I going to do the next 30 years that's going to excite me. And you know, so I really stepped back and said, you know, I want to focus on what can I do that's you know not only fun and interesting, but I can deliver value and be in this continuous learning mode. So, you know, that's been important to me. So over my career, I've stepped out of being a CIO to take on a number of non-IT leadership roles. So yeah, that includes strategy, uh, distribution, operations. And, you know, I think ultimately at the end of the day, those experiences have made me a much better partner to my businesses uh, when I am a CIO. But because of those experiences, you know, I understand our business at a much greater level of breadth and depth. Uh, but more importantly, I think they've given me an appreciation for the dynamics in play uh, in each of those roles across those functions from a business perspective. And, you know, as a believer and practitioner of CX, you know, I'd say the biggest influence that those roles have played for me has been in developing my empathy. As a CIO, you know, we're constantly battle-tested in how we manage large transformation programs, production outages, cybersecurity incidents, you name it, uh, we deal with it. However, nothing, and I'm saying this seriously, can compare to handling an escalated call from an upset policyholder uh, who has not received their benefit payment or an advisor who's trying to close a sale that has a not in good order issue. So, you know, walking, you know, a mile in those shoes definitely you know, makes you a different technology leader. But you know, I'd say if there is a, or if there were a, a standardized industry career path for a CIO, I would absolutely advocate that everyone on that path, you know, take at least one leadership assignment outside of technology and walk in the shoes of a business partner. Does that impact the way in which you think about your own team and counseling them on their pathway to greater levels of, of responsibility? Absolutely. Not only how I work with my team and, and coach them and you know, develop them, but also just how we operate and act as a team. You know, technology is complex and, you know, we need to be easy to navigate, easy to understand. We need to be empathetic. Many technology organizations become so transactional in nature that they lose track of the people aspect of what we do. So uh, it's absolutely played a, a key role in how I develop uh, succession talent. Yeah, very interesting. 
You know, as you look to uh, the year or years ahead, Mike, are there trends that particularly excite you that are making their way onto your roadmap? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think I've been in the role eight months, Peter. So it's still fresh in my mind when I came to Jackson and I was talking uh, to leadership here. But yeah, I had told them, yeah, I think we're in the most exciting time that I've seen in my 30 plus years in the industry. I think the level of innovation that's happening, particularly advances in digital APIs, AI, you name it, uh, it really is transformative. But when it comes down to it, you know, customers in our industry are demanding uh, solutions that are easy to understand, simple to buy, and they want to work with companies that are easy to do business with. So, you know, that was really core to my own values when I came to Jackson to make sure that there was alignment in how Jackson operated as well. But, you know, we're now seeing this intersection, which I think is really interesting, of, you know, CX, hyper-personalization, and omni-channel all being powered by AI, which is enabling these just amazing customer experiences. And, you know, I, I tell folks that I heard a statistic a while back where 70% of insurance customers now expect hyper-personalized service. Uh, and, you know, if we're going to be successful, we absolutely have to meet our customers, not only where they are today, but where they're going. You know, so with that being said, it's also key to understand that we're no longer competing with a customer's last insurance experience. Instead, we're competing with their most recent digital experience, Amazon, TikTok, Netflix, you name it. But in five years, I think our industry is going to evolve and it's going to become, I think, this broader data-driven ecosystem where insurance is heavily driven by AI models, uh, not only at you know, a financial advisor level, but down to an individual consumer or customer level. And APIs are going to become so critically important because they're going to create connected experiences across the companies that customers work with. And advisors are absolutely going to shift and change. You know, we talk a lot about financial advisors. I think the average age of an advisor in the industry is somewhere, you know, early to mid 50s. But you're going to see new financial advisors, you know, coming into the industry. And I think they're going to be heavily dependent on AI co-pilots to plug into data and insights that really enable them to be relevant as we go forward. And then, you know, as I think about the future, now that you mention it, the final thing I would say, Peter, is that, you know, disruption is coming whether we want it to or not. And our ability, as well as every other company's ability to pivot and change is not only going to be a nice to have, it's going to become a matter of survival. You know, I always look at it through the lens that we each have a choice to either be a Netflix or an Apple or be a Blockbuster or a, a BlackBerry. And, um, you know, those who can turn disruption from a negative into an amazing opportunity uh, are going to end up uh, being the winners in the end. Great uh, insights and great, great uh, case examples there as well. I, I, it really uh, shines an appropriate light on how to orient oneself as well as the, uh, the warnings for, for not doing so. Um, speaking of pivoting and changing, again, yours has been a career with plenty of that. Uh, but I wonder, as you think about the secrets to your own success as have, being someone who first entered the C-suite, as you pointed out, in your 30s, and have now uh, been a member of it across numerous organizations. 
As you think back, what were some of the different factors along the way that enabled so much growth early on, but also sustained uh, periods as an executive at uh, organizations of consequence, Mike? I'll just start by saying I'm still on a journey. So it doesn't matter how many battle scars you have, you know, how many uh, companies or roles that you've been with, you've got to be in this mode of continuous uh, improvement and searching, you know, on how you can improve. So, yeah, that to me is what kind of keeps me motivated. But, you know, I would say first, I've always believed as a CIO that, you know, we have to truly think and believe that we deserve a seat at the table. And we've got to be bold enough to have a voice to bring value beyond, you know, just being the tech leader. I think it's very easy to be typecast. And yeah, I would say that, you know, any CIO that you ask, uh, whether they are willing to admit it or not, you know, suffers from you know, some level of imposter syndrome. You know, we find ourselves in these roles. We're sitting at the big table. We're having strategic conversations. So, you know, you've got to just be willing to, to believe that you, you deserve to be there. Um, but you know, to have that voice, uh, for me personally, I think there are probably three things that come to mind that I've had to practice over that time frame. Number one is just building relationships and getting to know the other executives uh, at the table, really at a personal level, if you're gonna build a coalition of support, you're not gonna be able to do that without relationships. And you know, for me personally, I talk a lot to my team and my organization about being uh, our authentic selves. I find it truly important. You've gotta be your authentic self. You're not gonna build a trusted relationship if you're playing politics. Number two would be staying abreast of the strategy and details of the business, the financial drivers and what's happening in the broader industry. I think the CIO is an interesting one in that there are very few roles that touch nearly every aspect of a business. And I think, you know, the seat of a CIO provides perspectives that most C-suites uh, will never see. And, you know, I think we just have to uh, be willing to provide those perspectives as we see them. And then the last one would be, you know, being an active listener and really trying to understand what is needed to achieve uh, shared outcomes. I think shared outcomes at an executive team level uh, is truly important. It's what galvanizes a team, you know, to really go from being good to great. But being an active listener also allows you to understand what's important to each C-suite member as well. And then, you know, finally, um, yeah, I would say that, you know, when it's time for the CIO to step into the spotlight, uh, you better be prepared. And I would say most recently, generative AI and what happened with ChatGPT over the past year is really the latest example. And when technology disruption happens, realize everyone at the C-suite table is looking for the CIO to provide perspective and to lead the conversation. And when those opportunities present themselves, uh, that's when you have to take advantage. Sound advice all across the board, Mike. Thank you so much for those reflections. And certainly it sounds like uh, lessons you'll continue to take to heart and implement uh, on the, the pathway ahead as you've got a lot of runway left on, on what has already been an extraordinary career. Well, Mike Hicks, thank you so much for joining me today on Technovation, for the great insights you've shared, reflective of where Jackson is and where it's going and, and the great uh, contributions that your team continues to make. Uh, uh, congratulations on the first eight months and uh, 
here's hoping the the, the months and years ahead are, are equally successful.